Well, good morning, Grace Church. Uh, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Church, uh, one of the ones that works in Next Generation Ministries. Uh, and it is my privilege to spend some time with you this morning opening God's Word with you. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. I really do consider this a privilege. There are some things in life worth getting excited about. And spending time with God in his word is one of those things. And when you add that, that kind of double, uh, double whammy on it of you get to spend time with God's word, uh, with him in his word, with the people of God in his word, man, it doesn't get much better than that. I, I don't know about you, but I get excited about that. I hope you're excited this morning. So go ahead. Uh, let's, you know, if you need a little bit of caffeine, drink it right now. Let's jump into uh, what God has in store for us today and spend some time talking about him this morning on Father's Day. It is Father's Day. We, we do want to address this, this idea of fatherhood. We want to give honor to whom honor is due. Uh, and our, our little attempt at that this morning is the, don't forget fathers on your way out this morning, grab your dad's root beer and your, your beef stick. Uh, emphasis on it is dad's root beer, okay? This, this is non-alcoholic, okay? We talked about turning the water into wine last week, okay? That's not this week. Um, in, our, in our theology, Jesus is at the Father's side making intercession on our behalf. He is not here with us this morning, so he has not blessed that on his way in, okay? We're, we're going to just drink your root beer uh, today and be, be had with it. So um, we are going to talk about fatherhood and, and fatherhood and understanding, thinking about fatherhood can be hard for people sometimes. It can be a little sticky uh, at, at times. Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not just talking to the fathers in the room. I'm talking to everybody. When we, we start to think about what does it mean to be a father? What has our experience been with our fathers or our father figures in our lives? Sometimes that can get a little complicated, a little, little sticky. Um, there, there's probably a whole spectrum in this room as I, as I look out here this morning. At the one end of the spectrum, um, there are those of us who would say, you know, I just have an amazing father. He made me the man that I am today or the woman that I am today. And, and I just, I, I wish everyone could have had the father that I had. Or, or maybe you've even had multiple father figures in your life. And you're just like, man, I am the, the result of a legacy of a whole bunch of great guys and, and great father figures in my life and praise the Lord and they're awesome, right? That, you may be in that category at that end of the spectrum. Over at the other end of the spectrum, you might be here this morning and you're like, I have no idea who my father is. I don't know his name. I uh, don't know anything about him. Don't know where he is today. And I don't care. You know, or, or maybe you do care a lot. You, you know, you're, you're at one end of the spectrum or the other and you might be somewhere in between, you, you might know your dad and you're like, yeah, sometimes I like hanging out with them. Sometimes I don't like hanging out with them. You know, like you, you, wherever you fall on that spectrum, we understand there is a struggle for many of us with the idea of fatherhood. Some of us this morning would give anything to have one more time to hang out with our dad. You know, one, one more fishing trip, one more hunting trip, one more ball game, whatever. Uh, there might be some of us here this morning who are like, I'm not texting my dad today. I'm not calling him. I hope he doesn't call me. He better not show up at anything. You know, there's, there's two ends of that spectrum. And, and there is plenty of people in between those two ends. Because I think the one thing we can all agree on, no matter where we land on that spectrum, is who your father is matters. Okay, that's kind of our big idea for today. Who your father is matters. No matter who you are, no matter where you fall on that spectrum, it 
It does matter. Fatherhood matters. Our, our, our message today is entitled The Significance of Fatherhood. And this is true speaking both biologically and spiritually. It matters who your biological father is. But far beyond that, it matters who your spiritual father is. And that's, that's really more the end of the spectrum we're going to talk about this morning, is, is that spiritual end. And we, we'd like you to ask the question of yourself, who, who is my father? Who is the ultimate authority figure in my life? And what is my relationship with him? Because just like there's that spectrum in there, you, you might be sitting there and go, yeah, I, I know my father in heaven, uh, but, you know, I'm a little mad at him about something right now. Or, you know, I'm, I'm still questioning whether there's someone up there. And, or maybe you're, you're saying, oh, yeah, I believe there's someone up there, and I want nothing to do with them. Right? We want to ask you to ask yourself, who is my father, and what is my relationship to him this morning? And, and the way we're going to do that is by looking at three episodes in the earthly life of Christ and, and the way that he related with his father. But why are we doing that? We're, let, go with me real quick to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something really cool in Romans chapter 8, and that's going to kind of set the stage for everything else we're going to talk about here uh, the rest of this morning. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to jump in in verse 014. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says this. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, what did all those verses tell us? Very simply this. If you, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a child of God, through adoption, made a co-heir with Christ. What does that mean? It means simply this. Whatever the relationship of Jesus to the Father, you now have that relationship. Whatever the blessings, whatever the responsibilities, whatever it means to be part of the family of God, you're now in it. And what I want you to see this morning is that that is a good thing. That is a thing we all should crave. And we're going to do it by asking, okay, if that's the truth, if I get to be a co-heir with Christ, if I get to be on the same standing with Christ, if I get to be an adopted son of the great high or adoptive daughter of the great high, like, what does that even mean? Well, let's let jo Jesus show it to us through, through these, uh, these specific instances in his life where we get a glimpse of who he was in relationship to his father and just how special was their relationship with one another. We're going to look at three episodes, uh, and I've titled these three episodes simply, A Blessing, A Fight, and A Last Minute Request. A Blessing, 
a fight, and a last-minute request. Hopefully, uh, if, you're, if you're here this morning and, and you're a parent, you might have, ex- have experienced those three things as a parent, right? A, a, a time of blessing with a child where you're blessing them, they're blessing you, right? You've had some moments where there's some tension, there's, there's a fight going on, and you've had that last-minute request, right, that, that comes in from, from the kid. We'll, we'll talk about each of these in order. But as we look through them, there's a common theme there's a common theme that I want you to pick out that, that, you, that I think just shows up again and again and again in how Jesus relates to the Father. And it's simply this. Jesus, at all times, was confident in his Father's love. He was confident in his Father's love. And secondly, he was committed at all times in every way to his Father's will. Confident in his love, committed to, the, to his will. So let's take a look at these episodes and see just how exactly that plays out. Join me uh, in Matthew, Matthew chapter 3. That's going to be our first little episode. This is the baptism of Christ, and we're looking at a father's blessing at his son's baptism. Let's read together. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll read. You can follow along in your own portion of Scripture there. Uh, Matthew chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan uh, to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. That's John. John consented to Jesus. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Let's pray together real quick. Lord, I just ask you would open our eyes and open our hearts and open our minds uh, to your word this morning that we would clearly understand it and we would know what to do with it, God. Help us to understand this, this special relationship between your son and, and yourself and help us to understand our place in it, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so let's set the scene. Baptism of Jesus. This takes place, you know, at the inauguration. It's the commissioning service for Jesus to start his earthly ministry uh, uh, on the planet, okay? He's starting Galilee, and there's some debate over that. People argue, well, well, you know, the first time Jesus, you know, did ministry on planet Earth was when he was 12 years old, and, and, you know, he, he was in the temple, and his parents left, and they couldn't find him, and he's, like, arguing with the Pharisees and explaining the scriptures to them. That was the start. Well, some people are like, well, no, 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 it was his first miracle, you know? We talked about last week when turning the water into wine and all No, I I land in this camp. I think this is like the commissioning service as he's about to go out and really start preaching and teaching and doing miracles. This is it. And what does God take the moment to do? What does God take the moment to do? He does something very special here. Again, Jesus come to John, his cousin, who was preparing the way. Right? He said, there's one coming after me whose sandals I'm uh, like not fit to even untie his sandals. He's been preparing the way. He's been getting everything ready. He comes to him, and, and Jesus says this incredible thing to John. He says, let us together fulfill righteousness. Like, isn't that cool? Like, wouldn't you love to, to have like your cousin come over, your, you know, a, a relative and be like, hey, 
let's go fulfill righteousness together. You know, this is Jesus. This is Jesus talking to his cousin. And he's like, let's do this thing, all right? And John's like, all right, fine, let's do it. You know, like, so they got there. They do the baptism. He comes up out of the water. And we get this beautiful picture of all three members of the Trinity all in the same place at once, right? Jesus been baptized, coming out of the water, preparing to go into ministry. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes down in the form of a dove, and then from heaven you hear the voice of God, the Father. So Son, Spirit, Father, all in play. And what does the Father do? What does he take this moment to do? He takes this moment to point at Jesus and say, this guy, this is my son. And I am well pleased in him. Catch that moment. That right here at the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, what does God do? He says, that's mine. That's my son. Imagine the proud, proud daddy moment here for God the Father. Right? Um, We could say this. Jesus publicly claims Jesus as his son. What is the relationship of the son to the father? Well, it starts with God publicly saying, this is my son. I'm sure you've probably had that moment or have seen this moment in somewhere else where you're like at a sporting uh, event or something like that. My, both my kids, uh, Gemma and Joel, my two oldest, are, were in soccer this last season. They just finished. And you know, that's, that's a special moment where you're, you're standing there and you're like, hey, that's my kid. Way to go, bud. You know, way to go, girl. You're, you're doing it. That's, that's my kid out there. Yeah, the one eating the grass right now. You know, like, no, no, no. Like, like, my, my youngest son, Joel, is he's, he's, his age group is still the one that is just like an amoeba that like follows the ball around the, the, the field and then like randomly halfway through the game half of them are like laying down and like plucking grass out of the ground and like you know there's an airplane you know like they're just like okay alright yep that's my boy yep that's, that's but no we, we, we have that moment where we're just like so proud of what our kid just did out there right and we want everybody to know that's my kid I claim him as my son. I claim her as my daughter. And not only does he publicly proclaim his ownership and claim him as his own, identifying with Jesus, he also declares his pleasure in Jesus. His, his proudness, like he, everybody knows when you say, that's my kid, that's a proud moment. He like doubles down. He's like, that's my kid and I'm proud of him. I find my pleasure in my son. Ooh, that's just, that, that, should, that should be exciting to us, right? When we can do that with our own kids. Last night, uh, I got to go to a wedding. Uh, Pastor Marty and Sheila married off uh, their youngest, their daughter, to, to Mitch. It's a great, beautiful, beautiful ceremony, everything. And uh, Pastor Marty gave one of the best father of the bride speeches I've, I've heard uh, at, at, a, at a wedding reception. And he was just, it, it was very good. I don't know how he didn't just cry the whole time through. My wife was crying the whole time through. Like, it was just, it was, it was a really, really touching, touching moment. But through that speech, you could see the pride that, that Marty had for his daughter, has for his daughter. She is the apple of his eye. He, he calls her his little bug, okay? And you gotta, you gotta say it like Pastor Marty. I can't do it quite right. My, my little bug, you know? Like, like, just like, so, so sweet, like, loving, tender, care. This is, this is his daughter. He loves her. And it was just such a proud daddy moment. Just, just like, we have those, those sentimental moments in our life where we get that little glimpse. But here's what's cool. God wants to do that with you. 
He wants to look at you and say, that's my kid. That's my son. That's my daughter. Man, they're making me proud. I, I have such pleasure in my kid, in my, in my children. Because if we can be co-heirs with Christ, if we can, through adoption, have the same standing before the Father as Christ has, this is us. We could have the moment where the voice literally comes down from heaven and goes, this is my kid in whom I'm well pleased. I, I, I find a lot of similarity to this to, to the parable that Jesus tells when, when God will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Right? This, this is the relational offering of the father to the son and the father to you. That should be exciting. That should be cool. That, that, that's what it, we have offered to us. We can be confident in our father's love for us. Just the depth of his pride and his ownership, of his identification with us. So let me ask you, you know, we could probably find lots of questions in, in, in this, this passage, but do, do you feel like you have that relational standing with the Father? Who is your Father today? Who is your authority figure? What would that voice say out of the clouds, out of the sky, about you? Do you feel confident in the Father's love for you? Let's keep going. Let's go to our second, second episode here in the life of Christ. Jump over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We are not going to do this passage justice because it's, it's, a, long, it's a long passage. We're going to skim through it here because we're just pulling out this one theme. We will get to the book of John or to chapter 8 as we go through our series uh, that we're going through as a whole church through the book of John. So we'll get there. We'll do it full justice when we get there. Um, but whenever we get there, this, this is going to be an awesome, awesome passage to work through because there's so much jam-packed in these verses, but whoever speaks on it, at least one of the weeks, the title needs to be, Who's Your Daddy? Okay, that needs to be the title of at least one week in the, in the book of John, chapter 8, um, because in this passage, we see a playground fight about fathers, okay? It's very classic, very, you know, we, we all understand this. You know, my dad could beat up your dad, right? My dad drives this, my dad drives, you know, like this is, this is a, a showdown moment between Jesus and the religious elites of his day, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and he's having a, a back and forth with them. And what they do is they come at him hard about who he really is. And their, their whole point is, you're not allowed to say the things you're saying. You're not allowed to do the things that you're doing. You can't claim the things you're claiming because you're just a carpenter's son from Nazareth. Okay, that's, that's how they come at him. Let, read, read with me. Uh, John, John chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 15. Jesus responds to them. He says, you judge according to the flesh. What is he saying? He's saying, you're thinking biologically. You're thinking physically. You're thinking fleshly. Okay, you're judging according to flesh, I judge no one. Yet, even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but it, I am the Father who sent me. So who does, who does he ground himself in? When they come at him about who he really is, what does he immediately pull back to? He says, my Father sent me. I know who I am because I, I know who sent me. My identity, my grounding in life is in my Father my father in heaven. If going on, he says, verse 17, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, 
Where's your father? And Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Again, they dig at him with that question. They say, where's your father? Where is he? You know, this, we, don't, we don't know exactly what they're doing here, but they're probably, uh, in my opinion, my, my understanding of the scriptures, they're jabbing at him about Joseph, his, his stepfather, right? We, we don't know what, what the ultimate fate was of Joseph. Um, we, we know that by the time Jesus began his earthly ministry, he's kind of out of the picture, Okay, so we don't know exactly what happened. We, we assume that, that he passed away in, in some way, um, but they're coming after him about that. Saying, oh, you're going to make a stand on your father? Where is he? Where is he? And Jesus is like, okay, now that you brought my dad into this, <laughs> all right, this is going to get real. This is going to get real, real fast, okay? Because if you want to talk about dads, let's talk about dads, right? And he, he goes into it with him, and the whole passage, you got to read the whole, whole chapter eight at some point. It's long. It's 59 verses long, so we're not going to read all of it. But let me jump to verse 26. He says, I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I've heard from him. They did not understand that he had been speaking to them about the father, right? He's talking about the father, but they're not catching it. Verse 28. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak as the father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Catch that, that boldness, that confidence that he has to be able to say, guys, I don't care what your beef is with me because I'm just here doing the Father's will. I'm communicating what he asked me to communicate. I'm doing the works that he sent me to do. And you know what? He has not left me alone. You're going to come at me. You're going to come at me and all of him at the same time because I am not, he has not left me alone. I am standing here before you on his behalf. He grounds everything he's doing in the confidence that he has in his relational standing with his father. And then that informs what he does. He is committed to his father's will. He's committed to his father's words. He's committed to his father's uh, mission there on planet earth. And he says, you, you come at me all that you want, but you're not, you're not, your beef isn't really with me. It's with me and all of my father behind me who has not left me alone. Guys, do you know we can live that way? We can live that way. Say, hey, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what your problem is with me, but like you're dealing with me and all my father. But you can only make that claim if you're actually doing the Lord's will and if you're actually living out of that relationship with the Father, right? You don't just get, go around and be a punk to people and, and be a jerk and get, get people all worked up and riled and say, hey, 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 don't deal with me. You're dealing with the Father. You know, no, no, you, you, get, you get to go represent your Father and then when it gets rough, you get to say, hey, hey, I'm just, I'm just doing what my Father sent me to do. Ah, so, so cool that this is, this is the opportunity we have as children of God, but he doesn't stop there because now he's, he's really getting into it with them. Uh, we're going to skip over some part. He, he starts going out. You've noticed already he started to do this father thing back and forth with them, right? My father, your father, they're saying about their father. They're coming at him about his father. Let's, let's bring this into a close. Verse 39, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Okay, so they're, they're making a claim on Abraham, who's like the patriarch of all of Israel, right? So they're going to go back a couple generations and they're going to say, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. Why? Because children do the works that they learn from their father, right? 
That's the connection he's making. He's saying, if you're Abraham's kids, you'd be doing the things that he did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. Verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. (laughs) You are doing the works your father did. And they said to him, we're we're not born of sexual immorality. What are you talking about? Like we're descendants of Abraham. Right? We didn't, we didn't come outside that line. We're, we're descendants of Abraham. And, and, he say, and they say, we have one father, even God. Because if we're descendants from Abraham, guess who was Abraham's father? God. We're, we're all, we get to claim God as our father because biologically we're descendants of Abraham. So they're crossing those lines between biology and spirituality. Right? Saying if we're descendants of Abraham, God is our father too. Right? They're, they're going to make that claim. He says, if God, this is the second half of verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Guys, in this showdown, this, this little playground fight, this little argument about who's, who's your daddy, and they're going, well, we're from Abraham, we're from God. He's like, no, 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 you're not. You're not acting like your dad. I, 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 love to, I love to think of, of this in like um, uh, at the end of the day when Jesus is talking to his father in heaven, right, in, in prayer. Because, you know, the, as parents, we, we have those blessing moments, but then we have those moments where our kid got into trouble a little bit, right? So, so Jesus, Jesus is praying and he goes, hey, God, you know, my, my father, um, hey, I, I kind of had a rough day. I, I got in a fight at school today. You know, I got, I got in a fight with the Pharisees and God the father goes, oh, oh, yeah? Well, you know how I feel about fighting, you know, but... But you know, if you were going to fight someone, it'd probably be the Pharisees. They're, they're probably worth fighting, right? Okay, so what'd you do, son? What'd you do? What, what happened? How'd it go down? He said, well, they came at me about who my daddy was. And, and he goes, oh, oh, were, were they talking about me? Or were they talking about Joseph? Or what were they talking Well, I don't know. But, but it, it was this whole back and forth about who our father was. And you know what they had the audacity to do? They claimed that you were their father. And, and God the father goes, oh, well, I don't know them. They're not, they're not my kids. You're my kid, right? So, so what happened? What'd you do? How did, how did this fight go? Well, this is, <laughs> this is the conclusion. Verse 43, Jesus says, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. That should be like a, oof. <laughs> like that was a, that was a low blow, Jesus. You know, he, he, he just went for the gut shot, right? In this, in this playground fight. They're, they're like, we're from Abraham. We're God's children. And he's like, no, you're not. You're, you're the offspring of the devil. <laughs> <laughs> like, like try, try that the next time you're in a little, like, go bit, going back and forth with someone. Just be like, oh, you know, you're just acting like your father. Oh, yeah? Who's my father? You're the devil. <laughs> you're, you're just acting like the devil here in this, this conversation, you know. Uh, and he, he, he goes on. He's like, and you want to know who the devil is? You know, you are of your father the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. What did they eventually do to Jesus? Right? He used a murder from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. He He didn't hold back at all. He just cut loose. He's like, you're going you're to bring my dad in this? You want to talk about dads? Let's talk about dads. Let's talk. I'm doing the work of my father. I'm doing everything he's asked me to do. I'm confident in his standing and my standing with him. And you guys, you're acting like your dad too. 
your dad is the dough. You know, that, that, that prayer moment with, with God the Father at the end of the day, he's, he's saying, you know, Father, I got in trouble. He's like, okay, how did, how did you end it? How'd the fight end? Well, I called them uh, children of the devil. <laughs> you know, and God the Father goes, that's some funny stuff right there, right? Good job, bud. Let me give you a high. Like, like, yeah, because that's what they are. That's what they're doing in that moment. Here's the point. You've got to say about yourself, who's my father? Who am I acting more like? What, what, how is this playing out in my life? Because Jesus knows. God the Father knows who are his children and who are not his children. And while he offers you this incredible relational standing of being confident in his love, of him saying, you are my child who I love, and I'm, I, I found my pleasure in you, you can have that, or you can be a child of the devil. That, that's the binary. That's the choice that you have to make. So how does it all end? <laughs> well, they, they call him a Samaritan, which is like calling him a half-breed. They're making fun about his lineage again, okay? He's half-Jewish, half-Gentile, well, you know, piece of junk. Uh, and you have a demon probably too. You know, you're crazy. This is verse 48 and 49. He says, I don't have a demon, I've, but I honor my father, and you're not honoring my father. I honor my father. They go back and forth, and then it ends like this, 54. Jesus answered, I glorify myself. My, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God, but you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and I keep his word. Wouldn't you be able to to say that? I know my father and I keep his word. No matter what the, the thing is that gets thrown at you, you can just come back and say, I know my father. doesn't matter what you say. doesn't matter what the conflict is. I know my father. He knows me. He loves me. And I keep his word. And you can't tell me I'm not keeping his word right now because I know I am. Imagine the kind of confidence and courage and boldness that would give you in your life. If you could live that way, I know my father. I do his will. Oh, love it. And then, and then he, he finishes out. Um, I keep his word. Verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And that's like, if this was like a movie scene, there'd be like a dum-dum, like in the, in the background, right? Before Abraham was, I am. Because what he just said to them in the Jewish mindset, what they heard when he said that is, I am the I am. He just claimed to be God. He pulled back all the curtains. He pulled back all the like, you know, uh, figurative language, all the, all the picture imagery, parable type language that he uses a lot of time. He pulls it all back and just says, you want to know who I am? I just told you, I'm one with the father who sent me. I'm doing his will. I'm doing his work. And guess what? I have been since before you even existed. In fact, Abraham met me and worshiped me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. That's the, uh, who's my daddy? Let me tell you, who's your daddy? You don't know who your daddy is. And what is their response? The, the end of the verse, they, verse 59, they pick up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. They, they wanted to stone him right there and then. Because you can't say that. You can't say you are a child of God. People still don't want to hear that, right? 
But we have the ability to say with confidence, I am a child of God and nothing you say can change that. I, I, I am confident in his love and I'm committed to his will. Wouldn't, wouldn't you like to be able to say that? There, there are so many, so many things we could pull out from this. Just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of rapid fire go through these. So good luck keeping up if you're, if you're doing the notes. I know I got, I got behind on my notes here a little bit here. I got excited about the verses. You, can't, you can't, can't, can't stop me. All right, Jesus boldly stands up for his father. He boldly declares his knowledge of his father. Jesus represents the purpose of his father in these verses. He represents the authority of his father in these verses. He represents the teachings of his father. He is confident in his father's presence. He's not alone. He's right there. He is committed to pleasing the father. That's verse 29. I do what is pleasing to him. And Jesus wants to set people free from the wrong father. He's the one who's willing to ask you. You know who your daddy is? You better think about it. You better ask yourself the question. Jesus honors his father, that's verse 49, and he trusts his father to give him the glory. He says, I'm not seeking my own glory. My father will take care of giving me the glory. You know, we should probably live like that. I'm not seeking my own glory. I'll trust the father to give me the glory at the right time, right? Lots of questions, but here's a simple one. Do you know who your father is? In this conversation, which side are you standing on? Are you one of the Pharisees? Or are you standing there with Jesus? saying, I'm, I know my dad. I keep his word. All right, real quick, the last minute request to the father. You've, you may have seen, you know, your own kids in your own life. Maybe you are the kid that's done this, those last minute requests. Hey, dad, you know, mom, I forgot to tell you, there's this thing happening tomorrow. Is there any way we can make it happen, right? Like, and I need $100 to make it happen, you know, and I need you to sign a paper, you know, and I, I like, there's a whole last minute request. I'm a youth pastor, so like, we got to send the paperwork home with the kid and get the money and it's a whole thing, right? Here's Jesus' last-minute request of the Father. Go to Matthew chapter 26 if you want to. If not, just, just listen along. Matthew, 20, Matthew 26, this is the prayer in Gethsemane. This is, he's coming in on the end of his earthly ministry. In just a couple minutes, the, the uh, temple guard is going to come and take him captive, lead him to the cross, where he'll be put to death. And what does Jesus do here at the end? Let's start in verse 36. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, sleep, take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. What's Jesus doing here? This is, this is his last minute request. He comes to his father 
He says, Lord, my father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? The father's plan was hard and Jesus knew it. The father's plan was causing him sorrow. It hurt him to the point of death. Jesus knew his spirit was willing, but his flesh was weak. You know, he says that to his disciples about falling asleep, but really he's the one that's struggling between his spirit, his commitment to his father's will, and his flesh, his his desires for himself. Jesus came to the father alone. Guys, I don't know about you, but there's, there's been moments in my life where, where I've had to go to my heavenly father and say, God, it's just you and me. It's you and me versus the world. And I know what you're asking me to do, but it is so hard. And I've got a, I've got a great family. I've got a, a great wife, good, good support systems. But there will be moments in your life where you just go to the father alone. You say, this is me and you, dad. And I, I don't get it. I don't know why you're asking me to do it this way. Is there any other way? Is there any other way, God? But in that moment, are you able to say, not my will, but your will? Jesus asked for another plan, but he submitted to the Father. Jesus asked for another plan, but he submitted to his Father. So my question for you is simply this. Do you know who your Father is? And are you submitted to, to him, the way Christ was. See, I believe every single child of God can live out their life confident in the love that their father has for them. And they should live out their life committed to their father's will. Where every time something comes up, they go, hey, it's, it's not my will, it's your will, Father. You know why I can live confidently? Because I know I'm, I'm leaning on the Father. I'm doing the words that he's given me to, to, to say. Uh, I'm doing the works that he's asked me to do. This thing I'm doing this evening, it's my Father's will. This thing I'm doing this morning, it's my Father's will. Uh, how I treat my wife, you know, as a father, it's, it's my Father's will. How I treat my kids as a, as a father, that's, that's, my, that's my Father's will. Right? When, I, when you start passing everything through that template of, I, can I do this? Can I do this while confidently standing in God's love? Yes. In fact, that's the only way I can do this is by confidently standing in God's love. And can, is this thing that I want to do, is this thing that, that's coming at me, is it part of God's will for my life? If yes, then I'm all about it. But if it's not, I've got to put that to death in my life because I'm confident in my Father's love. I'm committed to his will. Guys, this is what God offers you. Who your father is matters. Maybe you're sitting out there this this morning and you're going, you know, he is my father, but I'm not that close to him. I don't feel that confidence, courage in his love. And if I'm being honest, I'm not committed to his will. Well, talk to him about that. Just like Jesus, say, Father, I, I, I need to be closer to you. I need to be more committed to your will. Show me the way. If you're sitting out there and you're going, I don't have that relationship with him at all. It's this simple. You got to say, God, I want you to be my father. I want that relationship with you that Jesus has with you. I want that relationship with you that, that all these other people have with you. 
Talk to us. We'd love to help you have that conversation with him. This is what he offers. He offers to be the father that we all truly need. And whether you've received that, that, that confidence and that love and that affection from your father or not, he's ready to give it to you. Maybe following your father's footsteps hasn't led you to the right places in life. Maybe it's made you very successful to follow in your earthly father's steps. Doesn't matter. Your heavenly father wants to lead you. The one who made you, the one who created you, who loves you, sustains you, died for you, he wants to be your father. Are you living that out? Can you say with confidence, I know my father loves me and I'm committed to his will. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for sending your son here to earth to show us the way to be this example to us. God, help us to be these kinds of, of parents, but more importantly, that we would be these kind of children for you, that we would have this relationship with you like you have with your son. Help us to understand these things, Lord. Help us to know what to do with them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.